Looking for it, and here it is, Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Hazel, I'm a deucer, couldn't do nothing but stare. Normally I wouldn't do this, but I had to roll the dice. She's once in a lifetime, you'll never meet her twice then. She's a knockout, Mike Tyson, make the biggest thing to go for. Alright guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And John, uh, had a nice weekend out on the boat, out in Lake Travis. Thank you to Carefree Boat Club. That was a, that was a nice, little, nice little day on the lake. Dude, it was one of the best days I've had in a very long time. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was nice, relaxing. Um, y'all, please give Carefree Boat Club at least a call. Like, you don't necessarily have to, even though I strongly, strongly recommend that you rent a boat because they're awesome and they're nice but at least call them so that they know that people listen to us i mean very kind of y'all yeah absolutely uh so this week is running backs and tight ends it's very fitting that it's tight ends as uh i'm excited to have the conversation that uh everybody seems to want to have right now what up sub seven um, make sure you guys all hit the like and subscribe button, um, please. Uh, also, uh, we have shirts, and the shirts are selling. Um, they're selling rather quickly. So if you guys are interested in um, in a uh, Johnson's in the Backfield uh, tee, I'm going to put the link in our uh, description for our podcast and also here for you guys. Um Clifford, what up? Jay Sinister, what up? Rob Hugs, everybody, what's going on? Uh, all right, so obviously uh, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at HoustonFBPod um, and on Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me at IamYoungAriGold and you can follow John at JohnAWade3. Uh, don't forget to follow Texans underscore thoughts. Don't forget to follow uh, PatrickStormTU on Twitter. He just recently changed it. And don't forget to follow Jair at JRL Sports TX on Twitter as well. Uh, make sure you guys take some time to go do that. Uh, quick reminder, uh, make sure you guys uh, are in the Eventbrite, like you guys have gone to Eventbrite, and you guys are um, getting your tickets and RSVPing uh, for the opening event. It's very, very important that you guys do that because we are trying to um, – give Kobo's Q an idea on how many people are coming so he can be prepared food-wise. So it's really, really important that you guys uh, do that. So I'm going to drop a link here into the chat so you guys can see where you guys can get your tickets. Um, really, really, really need to know who's coming and who's not so we can make sure you guys have it. Uh, all right. Let's see. What else? I think that's really it. Shirts, Y'all definitely want to make sure you get fed. Yes. So, RSVP so you can make sure you get fed. Like, we're not even kidding this guy. Kobo's Q, if you haven't had it, it's awesome. I mean, honestly, it got Arian's seal of approval. So, I mean, what else do you need to know? RSVP, make sure you get fed. Make sure everybody can eat. That's all it takes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jay sent us the Savior tight end questions as we are uh, obviously talking about tight ends tonight. So your Kahale stuff, big day today, first and only big day, but yet the Kahale crowd has has come out and uh, they're ready. They're they're ready for the Rob Gonkowski, as everybody said when he was drafted and all these good things. Had one good day at camp and all of a sudden he's tight end one. So let's uh, we'll get into tight ends a little bit later. Uh, lots of things to discuss. Uh, but with that, make sure you guys go to patreon.com uh, backslash Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we are, I think, what, 13, 14 days away from, from kickoff? We're about, no, 16 days away from kickoff. 16 days. We're, we're two weeks away. If you guys want to uh, have the uh, post-game um, video review um, with me, Jordan, and John, make sure you guys go to patreon.com. Um, and, and sign up because that is going to be only place you can get it. Other than that, you will have to wait till Wednesday. They say the two happiest days of a boat owner's life are the day he buys his boat Woo-hoo! and the day he sells it. Sayonara, you worthless cub. At Carefree Boat Club, there's a third happy day, the day he joins the club. Carefree Boat Club gives all the... Woo-hoo! Without the hassles that turn a day on the water into a real pain in the As soon as it turns over, we'll be on our way. At Carefree Boat Club, use a fleet of boats as often as you like. They take care of the maintenance. You take care of the fun. Water skiing to fishing, whatever floats your boat, Carefree Boat Club's got you covered. It's like owning a fleet of boats with none of the worries. Whether you own a boat or have just dreamed of it, come sample the experience of being a Carefree Boat Club member. Call today to schedule a tour of one of Carefree's convenient marina locations. Make all your boating experiences, water skiing to fishing, whatever floats your boat, Carefree Boat Club's got you covered. It's like owning a fleet of boats with none of the worries. Call 851-2202. That's 851-2202. Okay, so let's get into some things. Lots of different things going on. Training camp is huge right now. Lots of big news coming out. Um... Jacob Martin has arrived. We'll save that for when Jordan gets here for questions and answers. Um, Kiki, what's going on there? I think this is a story that needs to be talked about. Uh, so now he has an ankle injury. Seems stress like stress fracture. Stress fracture. Um, now there seems to be you know some issues with injury. It's it's weird how those came up. Is there trade rumors? Is it you know what is it? I, I I can tell you this if it if it was trade rumors I would I don't believe they would say stress fracture I think it would be like a hamstring or a soft tissue injury I find it strange that it's a stress fracture um, you know Kiki's had a solid camp has gotten praised from Bill O'Brien um, has been you know playing on special teams it you know I don't know what's going on with Kiki. I mean, it has to be the injury. Uh, for him to miss, I think he's up to five days in a row. Um, they don't have to be as forthright with injuries at this year's camp as in years past. Well, I, maybe it's not even necessarily um, – it's just the way the camp is isolated. So everybody noticed that he wasn't out there. Um, it's not like we're getting ready for a preseason game and people are going to ask if he's going to play or anything like that. It's just like, hey, why isn't he playing? Why isn't he practicing today? Is he on a veteran's rest day? Because they're – they're doing shifts um, with what guys are resting, what guys are playing, and it's pretty pretty detailed, um, uh, especially if you're a veteran player. They're giving you more and more time off. Now, Kiki, granted, he's going into year three. 
he needs practice. Um, but him having a stress fracture in his foot absolutely makes the most sense. It doesn't sound like it's it's a fake story. It doesn't sound like it's a cover-up story. This is something that's going to get him IR'd. It's going to give DeAndre Carter enough time to make a case for him, um, whether or not he can stay on the roster. And then about halfway through the season, Kiki's foot will be better, and he'll be and he either he'll be back or Carter will have solidified himself. It just gives him extra time to figure this out, is my guess, um, just based on what the guys can do. Because I think Kiki was going to come back. I think Kiki was going to take his um, Carter's role as the punt returner. He just has way more upside as a receiver, even for all the bonehead plays that he made last year. Remember, Carter made some pretty bonehead plays as a receiver, as a uh, returner as well. I don't care if he was top five in yards returned. That really doesn't matter as much anymore. It's what does he do that doesn't cost us games that really matters. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I heard on uh, I heard on six ten. I don't listen as much as I used to. As I, I, I think. Um, Sean and Seth are great, and then outside of that, like 610 is just, eh. Um, most of Houston radio is that way outside of, you know, the... All the good know, ones leave. I don't get it. Lance and, and, and John are great, but, you know, they're only on in the morning. Um, but Clint Sterner, who used to play football, which you'd be shocked by, by the way that he approaches the the game, but he talks about... I mean, uh, he was a quarterback at Arkansas. Let's, yeah. let's quantify that a little bit. Yeah. And then, well, he played for the Cowboys, you know, for, as a backup. I think he played like two games. but And, and not to diminish that in any way, but he meant, he was talking about hot reads and assignments as a slot receiver. And he says he doesn't see, he doesn't think that Kiki has an issue playing slot and that he understands his assignments and his blocks and things of that nature. And it's like, dude, that's not what the film shows. Like, the film shows he actually did not understand assignments, did not know when he was responsible to pick up blocks and blitzes and things of that nature. And that's what led to what happened last year. So, you know, I just, I don't know, it's just interesting to hear. I mean, you know, Kiki has had issues and in, in outside of injury, uh, it really has been, and there is a lot of responsibility when it comes to the slot position, specifically in this scheme. You know, this isn't line up and run a, you know, run a slant. Or and specifically with uh, Kiki, because they ask him to run a lot more vertical than most slot receivers are asked to do. Um, sorry, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to throw No, yeah. I mean, a slot wide receiver in this scheme is totally different than just, you know, the 49ers or the Green Bay Packers or things of that nature. Um, so I just I find it strange that um, a, a quarterback would, a former player would say something similar like that, but... You know, just kind of comes with the territory. We we've seen former players say much crazier things uh, than that. So, but yeah, I mean, with Kiki, you know, I know Pat says that uh, the Niners are interested. I mean, I think I've been saying that for two years now. Uh, whenever Wes left, uh, makes the most sense for sure. But I mean, with, there's re- there's a spot for Kiki, but there's also not a spot for Kiki. Like especially if he's not like. There's been a lot of good questions about, um, you know, training camp and then not having preseason games. Like, you really can't see what you have in a returner in practice and training camp, but you really can in preseason games. Like, that's the one of the bigger things about preseason games is you're able to really see what special teams is able to do, uh, specifically on returns. And you're not able to see that this year. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what Kiki could or couldn't do, or will he make the team? Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded, but he, if this, if there's a stress fracture, I just don't see it being 
possible, and I think he just gets cut. I think that a stress rece- or a stress fracture, especially since he was trying to push through it, is going to allow him to stay on the roster longer than it would otherwise. I think that his ceiling is still too high to just get nothing for him. Yeah. However, I mean, it's still a numbers game, especially a receiver, especially right now on this team at receiver. Uh, Wes Welker was his translator because you look at his rookie year and Kiki knew exactly where to be. When he was healthy, granted, he wasn't healthy that often. He was always where he was supposed to be. And that's why he had these games of double-digit receptions. However, he was hurt. He was hurt. And then last year, I think a little bit of it maybe was him buying too much into it and trying to do too much. And once that happened, he just he did bonehead plays. Every game that he started, we lost. And there's a reason for it. Like normally, when you say something, you say a say something like that you're like oh that's a crazy coincidence but if you actually break down the film um like football we kind of talk about when things start to snowball they they snowball and they snowball badly look at the broncos game where he fumbled right away look at um a couple of the missed blocks in the colts game he is a talented player that has a great work ethic from what people outside the organization have said However, he has difficulty with the mental part, and I think that was entirely because Wes was his translator. Wes was able to say, this is what you did at Texas Tech. This is how you apply it now in the NFL. And once that was gone, it has really hurt him more so than it's hurt any other player. Yeah, no, fair. All right, let's move on. Um, So, you know, John Reed, according to Bill O'Brien, which I'm going to be honest, the fact that I heard him just say this today is – was somewhat shocking. Uh, one, given how he is never impressed by rookies, their rookie year, and then two, the season that we're in and how he has diminished verbally uh, the, you know, what a, the impact a rookie can have on the season and how hard of a year it's going to be for them. But John Reed is having the best rookie camp far and away. Uh, I, I don't think this is surprising to many as – not if you listen to us. I think John Reed has shown that that is, you know, that's kind of who he is. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what this cornerback group looks like. Aaron Reese says that uh, Lonnie Johnson is pushing to take Gary and Conley's spot this year. Uh, insane. Uh, I think Roby will be in the slot and Lonnie and Conley will be on the outside, but whatever. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, I haven't I'm been actually going to bet money that Lonnie Johnson will be the tight end killer. How they ease AJ Boye. I agree. Into the rotation, that'll be that'll be Lonnie's job for a little while. Yeah, Especially no, I, as physical as he is. I agree. And then you look at Reed, who has been just apparently balling out. Um, and I, I told you he would. Um, yeah. So you've got you've got that depth that really changes our secondary. All of a sudden, it goes from being a, a position of weakness to not necessarily strength, to at least an area that has a lot of depth, that people can rotate in and out and they can stay fresh and they're not going to and they're not gonna run them ragged. Um, part of what the Chiefs were able to do to a lot of teams, including us, is you get so many guys that are fast that you just wear out their secondary. We may, you know, and I, I'll argue otherwise because I think Conley and Roby have the potential to be stars, but you can argue even if you take the national take that we have a mediocre secondary. Well, if we have a mediocre secondary or mediocre uh, secondary with a lot of depth, 
that's better than a lot of teams that have a top-heavy sec- secondary because they can't get ran out, ran out of town. Yeah, I mean, John Reed, look, uh, fighter, somebody that we need in the slot, you know, I, while he is having a a stellar camp, I don't want us to get too excited uh, because it's going to be hard for him to really make an impact and come in early just given, you know, the other players on the team. Vernon Hargraves has been getting a lot of praise as well. Uh, we also don't know what the, what the depth chart is going to look like in corner. You know, is Roby going to be outside? If it, That's where it changes for John Reed and Vernon Hargraves. If Roby is outside and it's Roby and Lonnie or Roby and Conley, uh, then Lonnie would come in as the third cornerback uh, in a dime set, and we would have, you know, John Reed or Vernon Hargraves as a uh, slot corner. So, um, Well, that's we may end up going in situations where Lonnie allows us to essentially go with one safety because he'll he's big enough that he'll still be able to support. So it, it's an interesting rotation. I think that the biggest thing is there's more depth and there won't be a noticeable drop-off, and it's not guys that are going to turn into burnt toast when they're out there. Even if they're not necessarily the best, they're not going to get toasted. Yeah. Hey, real quick, uh, first of all, Austin Tucker from our Discord, thanks for showing up. We have an amazing Discord, guys, and, you know, during the offseason, it's it's not like a killer, but, man, when the season ramps up, I don't know if there's another place you want to be as far as having your Texans conversations. Um, so make sure you guys go to the website and click the Discord link. Uh, it's it's an awesome Discord. Um, and, yes, make sure you guys all stay home, stay safe tomorrow, next few days, everything with going on with the hurricanes and things of that nature. Um, also, one last thing before we get into another topic, where are all the Rockets fans that were talking so much mess? Uh, after the Lakers lost game one, those Rockets were coming at Laker fans extremely quick. And my, oh, my, how the tables have turned up 3-1 while scoring 81 points in the first half uh, yesterday with AD out uh, for three quarters. Uh, Fast forward. Where are are the Rocket fans? Where where are all of you? I want to see it. How dare James Harden wear a Kobe t-shirt? He is nowhere near James Harden. James Harden should never wear a Kobe t-shirt. He is a disgrace. Just a total disgrace. Anyways, all right. I just thought I'd get my licks in while I could. All right, anything else out of camp excited? Uh, So, obviously, Kahale is, um, is he kind of, you know, he had a day today. We'll talk more about that day later on as we talk about the tight ends. Uh, You know, I think uh, there's Bradley Roby's having an amazing camp. Uh, Jacob Martin is having an amazing camp. Uh, we're not hearing a lot about Gary and Conley. I don't know what's going on. I, 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 I'm starting to wonder um, that, uh, you know, are they starting to – God, I really hope this isn't the case, but are they starting to minimize his role in hopes of a cheaper contract or because there's – you know, a good chance he won't be here next season, and they're trying to. If that's the case, I'm going to be super, super, super. He's a veteran coming off ankle surgery. I hope they've shown some clips out there with him getting some good breakups, but I think that they're just. Um, what, what what was the tone from or the uh, term from basketball? Load management. Hey, that's fine if that's the case. Just they're when the season starts, the best guys will be out there, and 
Conley's going to be out there. There's no way he can't can't be. Yeah. Um, even with all the depth we've talked about, his experience, his skill set, and his ability is going to get him on the field. I wouldn't worry too much about camp. However, I do have one thing to ask you. Is this a cause for concern or a thing to be excited about? Apparently, our offensive line looks fantastic. Um, I mean, I'm going to be honest, and not to like be that guy, but I, this is what I, I expected our offensive line to look good this year. Well, the reason I phrase it is, uh, is it a cause for concern? Because we had gone into training camp saying that our number one worry was pass rush. And to hear that our offensive line is doing fantastic when we're worried about can we rush, rush the passer? I mean, am I overthinking this? Tell me I'm overthinking this. Oh, no. The pass rush is definitely an issue. Uh-huh. But, it, you know, iron sharpens iron. And, uh, you know, if they're going to go up against it, you know, that's great. Uh, you know, Ross Blacklock's having a good camp. Uh, he likes the scheme. He likes the way he's going to be utilized. Um, you know, he's going up against Nick Martin. Uh, JJ is not pl- practicing a lot, so, you know, all the other guys are getting reps. Uh, the only real thing we're hearing is Jacob Martin is getting in the backfield quite a bit. We're not hearing Whitney's name a lot. Um, we're not hearing anything about BMAC since last week. So, yeah, either our offensive line really took a massive step or our pass rush really is exactly what we thought it was. Um, but you also got to remember, like, in training camp, you're not going to see a lot of those, like, exotic scheme blitzes and, and things of that nature, right? It's more of lineup, like, technique, get hit, you know, pads, you know, just get, get into football shape. You're not going to see a lot of those schemes. Those are more in the, in, in, you know, in the individual position group you know, rooms when they're discussing film and looking at things. So... I don't know if I have, like, a cause for concern regarding the pass rush. Uh, also, with 99 on the field, like, things change for that pass rush. So it's going to open things up, for whether it be a Menahue, Whitney, Jacob. Uh, so, I, I mean, sure. I, I, look, we know this defense is not going to be good week one. We, we know that. We know that. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to go out we're, and score. We're well aware of that. It's going to be a shootout week one. Yep. So... Yeah, I mean, that's just my thoughts. Um, all right. You didn't make me feel any better. Um, the other thing that was kind of thrown out there is Russ, Ross Blacklock was talking about how um, Weaver wants them to attack the gaps, which kind of would have been great information when we talked about it last week. That scheme means that we're going to have – it probably won't be a 4-3 with the way our personnel is, but kind of that's – the kind of the mentality that they're going to have. They're not looking for – it's interesting because we're not ha- asking our defensive linemen anymore to really take care of the uh, the run. Uh, they're going to be more concerned with getting to the passer. So that will be very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, look, it, it's just going to take some time. It's going to take some time to understand what we have on defense. It's going to take some time for the defense to get ramped up. It's going to take time to see what that pass rush can do. But, you know, the, the good point that was pointed out here is just the fact that J.J. isn't on the field. And, yeah. you know, once J.J.'s on the field, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the game changer. I mean, like I said last week, Pat, you know, Zach talked about how shocked he was when he threw on the film for last seven games or the first seven games of last year. So you got to hope that J.J. can still be that guy that, um, that he was last year. And it – 
be him for 16 weeks. I just it's so hard to count on now because you just you haven't seen it in so long. And while he did do it in 18, you know, he also wasn't really himself in 18. We'll see. Um, he's unfortunately the linchpin that our pass rush is built around. Not unfortunately because when he's healthy and he's out there, there's not a force on this earth like J.J. Watt. But will he be healthy? Will he be out there? Yeah. All right, let's get to our position group reviews. Uh, we'll start with the running backs. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about David Johnson. Um, you know, he's he's gotten a ton of a ton of praise in in training camp. People say he looks motivated. You know, he's done. He he basically did another piece with Tyler Dunn, very similar to what me and David Johnson did. Um, you know, Tyler Dunn's just probably the best writer and. He's probably the best creative writer in sports media, the way that he writes his pieces. Um, and, you know, went at the blue check marks and things of that nature uh, regarding the trade. You know, he seems motivated. I, I, he is motivated. I know he is, you know. Um, I think that David is going to have a solid year. I, it's, it's like, it, it's hard, though, because not just because of the trade, but, like, in the sense of, like, what we gave up, right? Like, I don't know how to really put it into words. There's nothing he can do to make the people feel better about him unless he has 2,000 all-purpose yards. Like, if he has 1,100 yards rushing and 300 yards passing or, you know, uh, receiving, it's going to be very – still, I don't think people are going to give him the props that he, you know, deserves. Uh, He's he's going to be fighting a – um, he's going to be fighting a uphill battle, and uh, I just don't I don't know if people are going to be able to do it. Um, I I really like David Johnson. Um, I think he should have a good year, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, are we going to predict stats? Because like, I just don't think that that's just not what we do. No, I think he'll be and- productive though. Yeah, we beat this horse until it's dead. David Johnson has the potential to be an absolute game changer at running back. Um, it's tough, the situation that he's in, because he can't, even if he's a pro bowler, even if he's in, even if he's all NFL, people are going to still judge him based on how Hop does out in Arizona. So if Hop goes out to Arizona and just has a mediocre season, and Johnson comes out here and takes us all the way to the Apes, AFC Championship or better, people will be happy, and that's about it. If Hop is in Arizona and he puts up a number one type receiver season again and we go to the AFC Championship, people are still going to judge Johnson, and that's absolutely not fair. Um, Please remember that David Johnson didn't control the trade. He didn't control who he was traded for. We just know that if he's healthy and as good as he looks at camp, if he keeps that up, we'll have the best running back we've had since Arian Foster. And that's something to be excited about. Um, Leading into Duke Johnson, the thing that I thought was very, very interesting is how many reports out of camp have said they have never seen this many two-back sets from the Texans, especially since Bill O'Brien's been here. I'm low-key. I'm sorry, Jay Sinister. I'm going to steal your comment a little bit. I am low-key excited to see both Johnsons in the backfield at the same time. And that's not just an ad for the shirt. Uh, the thing about Duke and David is the fact that 
Um, like, David isn't a great route runner. Duke is a great route runner. Like, David has been schemed open in the past, right? When you combine those two of a schemed open wide or running back and a running back who can run great routes and both have great hands, it's like, man, like, what are you going to do? There isn't a linebacking core in the, in the league that's going to be able to cover, you know, both of them. Um, and it's going to be very hard if you're bringing a safety down, given our our deep threats on the outside with Will Fuller and Brandon Cook. So if you bring a safety in the box to cover one of the running backs, that leaves your corner one-on-one with a wide receiver. Uh, there's just a lot of, like, different dynamics that come into play when it comes to these two specific running backs. And good things happen when Duke has the ball. And I don't want that to be something that goes away. That still needs to be, He still needs to be a part of the offense. He still needs to have his um, – his production, he still needs to have his catches, he still needs to have his snaps, he still needs to run the ball. You know, Duke does not need to primarily be our receiving back. He needs to be able to do it all. Put this in perspective for Duke Johnson, he was number two out of all positions in expected yards per touch. That's a guy that needs the ball in his hands more. Um, I, part of it, I think, last year is maybe they weren't able to implement him as much as they wanted into the offense because they got him so late in training camp. I, that Fingers crossed that's part of the, why his, his usage wasn't where we wanted it to be. The second thing is I think that once the offensive staff sat down and did their year-end review on film, they'll notice what everybody else noticed. Only good things happen when Duke touches the ball. So... If they didn't see that, this talk about them having two running backs in the backfield at the same time wouldn't be happening. Um, this They wouldn't have designed these formations for them. You just don't see it. And, again, Duke Johnson just needs to touch the ball more. That's it. End of story. Yeah. The no, next I- thing that came out was Buddy Howell has apparently the number three running back position locked down. I mean, that makes sense. I think that's what we've predicted at the beginning of the season. You know, a guy who's been on the team for the last two years, never really got meaningful snaps in the regular season, showed that he was capable of, um, in preseason last year, that he could, you know, he can run when he's given them a chance. Uh, and then also just a special teams guy who's always, he's always on the field. He's always making an impact on special teams. And Karan Higdon, for two straight seasons is having fumbling issues. Like, this was happening last preseason with Karan Higdon, and it's happening again this preseason, or this preseason, or this offseason, uh, training camp, whatever. Like, Karan Higdon can't hold on to the ball. Buddy Howell's never shown that issue. Add to the fact that he's great on special teams. We lost, uh, you know, um, Brad Seeley. So, you're going to keep Buddy. That, that's just the way it works. And uh, If you want to see Buddy Howell's career path, go look up Brandon Bolden for the New England Patriots. Um, key special teams guy that stuck around, I think he's like an eight-year vet at this point, always on the team because of special teams, and he was more than adequate as an emergency running back. That's Buddy Howell. That's what they're turning him into. He's there primarily for special teams, but based on what we've seen him do – during the preseason, if he needs to be our emergency running back, I think we'll be okay for a game or two. Hopefully not much longer than that. But if we need somebody in a pinch to kind of give one of the guys a breather, then he should be all right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the, the third running back, and not that Buddy doesn't deserve it, but it's just 
I, I think David and Duke are going to. I mean, they're going to be the primary backs. It'll be in blowouts right, right. where I you see. To touch play. on that because it was a noticeable. It was it was news. Yeah, Bill O'Brien came out and said that for sure. Um, do we want to talk about Scotty Phillips at all? No. And then Cullen Gillespie, do we want to put him with the running backs or the tight ends? Because he's very, very intriguing on what they're planning on doing with him this year. Yeah, I think both. I mean, he's he looks to be the guy that's going to he's going to get some carries. He's going to get some he's going to get some receiving yards. He's going to probably line up at tight end occasionally, uh, and he's a he's great on special teams. So you know, and David Johnson loves running behind a fullback. So. Yeah, I mean, I love Colin. And also, just like one of those dudes, I mean, grew up here, great dude. Like, outside of being an Aggie, he's awesome. Yeah, uh, Colin Gillespie, the positions that he has been spotted at at training camp is fullback, H-back, tight end, uh, flex tight end, and, of course, special teams. And apparently there was a rumor that he lined up once at linebacker. I cannot confirm or deny that, but... Based on everything else I'm hearing about him, that makes absolute sense. Um, when they drafted Gillespie, one of the things that they talked about was he looks like he would be the new breed fullback. Um, he's going to be able to block, and he showed that he could run block um, a little bit better than others um, against Buffalo. If you noticed, he was out there a lot more towards the end of the game, and he he laid on. There's a touchdown that does not happen if Gillespie is not out there. Like, you can tell when somebody knows how to block and gets out there and blocks, and that's Cullen. And he's a guy that he's – don't get excited about him for fantasy. Like, it'll be nothing like that. However, us, we're going to notice him, and I think that as a fan favorite and just guys that watch the football game – granted, I love fantasy football, so don't take this wrong if you're a big fantasy player. But the guys that really – appreciate the guys that do all the little things, you're going to love Colin Gillespie. He's going to be one of the fan favorites. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's get to okay, tight ends. So maybe he really did line up at linebacker. No, he, played. he wasn't just blowing smoke. No, he um, actually played, play. he played linebacker in college. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he didn't just line up. I think the first two years at A&M he played linebacker and then was switched over to fullback. Um. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's what it was. Uh, put it in the comments. Uh, all right, let's get to the tight ends. I think that's why everybody's here. Uh, we got about 15 minutes before Jordan joins. Um, all right, so let's start with where we ranked them. Let's start with depth chart in our mind. Uh, are we both in agreement Jordan Akins is tight end one right now? It depends. Okay. Passing downs, I believe so. However, this isn't a dig against Jordan, but the Bills game showed why Cullen Gillespie was still around and Jordan Akins wasn't able to take over that H-back role. He can't block as well as he needs to. Now, maybe that's changed. We've talked about how playing a tight end it takes three years to really know the position. Yep. It's one of the physically, the physical skills required for a tight end is one of the most difficult things to learn in the NFL. They've got to play tackle, essentially, because they get lined up on purpose by defensive coordinators will put their best, best pass rusher against the tight end whenever they can. 
And then they've also got to learn all the routes of a wide receiver, especially in a modern-day offense that really wants to include tight ends in the passing game. So it's a lot to take in. There's a lot of physical skills. And Aikens, if he was to profile, he profiles closer to like Jimmy Graham or Jordan Reed. These were tight ends in name only. They didn't block. Um, they never played H-back, which was, um, you know, if you kind of put them up behind the line and shift them over to the side. Um, they just don't block. They're a receiver. They're just a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage than other receivers. That's Jordan Akins right now. Now, he's a very capable at that. He led the Texans in yards of separation. He led the Texans in yak. And he was, he, I mean, he was better than a lot of the receivers in catch rate. So he's a very talented receiver. However, you can't really block. But here's the problem. There's this, there's this narrative out there that Darren Fells is a great blocker. He's really not either. He's just a big guy. Now, Darren Fells, he's really great at posting up and catching the ball. He's a safe target. He's going he's gonna to put his booty between him and the defender, and he's going to catch the ball. And he's really, really good at that. And the coaches seem to have bought into this narrative that he can be a – that he profiles as the best blocking tight end, at least last year. So that's where you kind of have a 1A, 1B. So based on last year, with fails and his blocking, you would assume that he's still going to be in there on downs they expect to run and when they want the other team to think that they might run. If it's pure passing we're from behind, we're just going to air it out, then Aikens definitely is tight end one. Um, I – fully expect Jordan Aikens to have wide receiver-like numbers at the end of the season. I'm not talking like 1,000 yards. I'm talking like 700 yards and multiple touchdowns. Like, he's a guy that a couple of weeks you're going to stream a tight end, you're going to be very happy that you do it. He's not going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a superstar in the hearts of Houston because he's going to be another one of those guys that you just appreciate all the little things that he does, but the volume just won't be there for him. Yeah, I think... Look, when it comes to the tight ends, you have to understand the different roles and responsibilities, right? And and whether Aikens is a blocking, not you know, he's not a blocking tight end. He's a receiving tight end. You still have to throw him out there to block occasionally. He will be out there to block uh, because you can't just line up, you know, two blocking tight ends and expect the, the defense to not have an idea of what you're trying to accomplish. Sure, you can surprise him and throw it to the guy, but... Um, with Aikens, he's just op- when he's in space and open, uh, he has the ability to do things that nothing, that we haven't seen yet from any of our, our other tight ends um, to be able to you know create yak. Um, on top of that, he's just a freak athlete as well. And there's a lot of talk about Kahale and what he did in college and a water polo player and things of that nature. We're also talking about Jordan Aikens, who was could have went pro playing baseball. Uh, so, you know, he's he's a freak athlete as well. Third year, he's 28, so he's on the older side, so he's more mature. Um, I, I just think that what Aikens can do with the ball in his hand and his, his route running is um, extremely good when you look at how long he's been in the league and how long he's playing tight end, been playing tight end. Uh, also on film last year, you just see him open a lot. Uh, he's open a ton and just isn't looked at. And, you know, Deshaun just didn't see him or he was looking at DeAndre. Uh, I just think that, you know, there's a. 
I just think Aikens is a the best tight end on this team right now. And then I think it's followed up by Darren Fells, Jordan Thomas, and Kahali Waring. Darren Fells is a red zone monster. Box out basketball player, ability to get open in the red zone. He can just create separation with his size and physicality. And there's a reason why he had, what was it, I think seven, seven touchdowns last year. I think he tied Owen Daniels' record for most touchdowns by a tight end for the Texans. Um, so that's, that's my thought with Darren Fells. And he's our, also our, our, our best blocker. Um, it's not saying much, but he's our best blocker. Jordan Thomas is a guy that his rookie year everybody fell in love with because they saw the true upside and the raw ability he had. Last year he got hurt, and we just weren't able to see it. And then when he came back, he didn't look like the same player. This year in training well, he's camp... 277 pounds, and he runs a 4.6. Yeah. There's reasons to be excited about him. It's not unwarranted. You don't have those physical skills. And he has shown the ability. He played wide receiver in college. Like, he has the ability to catch the ball. Yeah, and Sorry. so I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, now he's fully healthy and he's having the best camp that he's had so far as a pro. You know, not to diminish what Kahale did in one day at training camp, uh, but uh, as far as consecutive days and consistency, which is something the coach has preached since he entered NRG Stadium six years ago is consistency is key, and that's what he looks for. Uh, Jordan Thomas is doing that now. And he's also, you know, Bill O'Brien's seen what Jordan Thomas is capable of uh, and knows that injuries played a part. I like Jordan Thomas a lot, too. I'm fine with whatever we, you know, honestly, those three tight ends I'm good with. I'm fine with. If you can add another great tight end or potentially great tight end and call it Holly Waring, awesome. You know, these clips today, they looked great. They looked great, but also look who threw that first touchdown. Like, look, that was A.J. McCarron, you know? Like, if this beast is so good, there's a reason why he's playing with the backup quarterback. Um, but Yeah, no doubt. Well, here's – I'm going to kind of explain the Collie Warren um, hype a little bit. I – Granted, if you listen to us, you probably understand it. Kahali Warren, according to a lot of scouts, coming in right now would be the best blocking tight end on the Texans. However, he has the athleticism to apparently grow into a pass catcher. Of the guys we have on roster, both Aikens and Thomas need to learn how to block. They already know how to catch. Whereas Warren already knows how to block, and he looks athletic enough to catch. If he can do both, catch and block, he will be on the field enough to actually make a difference. And that's what you're kind of looking for in fantasy football. Kahali Warren has the potential to be the most fantasy consistently relevant tight end that the Texans have had for a long time. However, that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best tight end on the Texans. There's a lot of little jobs that they are asked to do. And if he comes in and he is legitimately the best blocking tight end, then Darren Fells has to watch out because that's supposed to be Darren's job. And we love Darren. Don't get us wrong, but he's not as good of a blocker as he's made out to be as the left-left tackle. He looks like the left-left tackle, but he looks like a basketball player out there sometimes, which is great when you're throwing the ball to him. But when you need a tight end that can block, 
we've got a little bit of work to do. Um, so if Warren is legitimate, because here's the the other problem: we've never seen Warren play. We've never seen him play against NFLers. Um, even the practice that we've seen is so. I mean, it's it's practice at training camp, and I know that they're supposed to be out there and they're supposed to have that same intensity. But there's a reason why blocking in tackling and the physicality of the NFL is always so rusty at the beginning of the season. You can't fake that. It's either all or nothing. And when it they're not going all out and they're still trying and they're just they're just going through the motions. It's not that same extra adrenaline as it is during a game. So I can't be bought in on the fact that Warren, who's only played football for like what, three years, four years, is the best blocking tight end on the team. He has the potential to be, and I hope he is. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, there's nothing more than I would that I would like than to have an Owen Daniels that's a better blocker. There's nothing more that I'd like to have a baby Kelsey or a baby Gronk or all these crazy things that he's been thrown thrown around or or the first ever Kali Warren. Yeah, he's his size and his speed and his ability to jump, his shuffle speed. Like, he blew all those tests out of the water. There's a reason why he went in the third round. However, he's still a tight end, and pretty much to put a bow on it, as I would say, manage your expectations for this year. He's not gonna, he's not gonna blow you away this year. It's always year three. It takes three years for a tight end to click. Even Travis Kelsey, it wasn't until his third year. Very, very rarely do they click beforehand. And with him, especially because he got IR'd for his entire first year, it's not gonna be this year. Don't throw him under the bus this year when he's not. Don't expect him to ascend to tight end one this year, though. If he does it this year, then he is absolutely something special. Well, I also think, like, there's, you know, we've also seen recently that rookie rookie tight ends come in and they do extremely well. You know, they they come in, they, like Mark Andrews, uh, basically all three tight ends uh, in, in Baltimore last year uh, and the year before. Well, Mark were, Andrews was different. He was brought in to be a pass catcher. He wasn't asked to block. He was asked to do one no, job. No, that's fine. And, but they're still producing. Like, none right. of our tight ends have produced at that level. So you can say what he was asked to do or not to do. He still came in and had pretty much a Pro Bowl year at tight end his rookie year. Um, Kahale, I get asked this a lot. Why do I hate Kahale? I don't hate Kahale. If you go back and listen to the draft of last year, I was a big fan of Kahale. I really like Kahale. But here's the thing. We haven't seen anything yet. Like, you're seeing clips. You see him go up against, I believe, Michael Thomas and grab a, you know, grab a touchdown. Like, all great things. Those are things you want to see. But until I see it on the field against real competition, I don't really care. Also keep in mind, this guy has not been available through training camp until two days ago. So, like, just slow down. That's all I'm asking. I want to see it because the raw, the freak that he is as an athlete is up there. Like, Cody brought up, where where did Cody say? Cody brought this up. I played water polo. I I grew up in Southern California. I played water polo my freshman and sophomore year. There is not a tougher sport out there in, in, in high school outside of football than water polo. Just so you guys understand, anything underwater is legal. So to put that in terms, your balls will get grabbed and yanked and pulled along with everything else and kicking and punching and all these nut things. It Literally nut things. Like, if you don't – like, go look up water polo. It is a very, very physical sport. Like, if you haven't tried to tread water – 
for 10 minutes by yourself, they do it for 45. Like, it's a real sport. Like, it's a very physical sport. So he has all that stuff that's going with him. But you have to see it on the field when it matters. I don't want to see it on training camp. And so far to this point, he just hasn't been available. And that's, you know, last year, red-shirted, three great tight ends. Hard for him to crack that. It's going to be very similar this year. Yeah, and even to add to what James was saying, yeah, he's a workout warrior, great, great combine. He went to he played for a team in college that ran the ball predominantly. That's why he got so good at blocking. Uh, we all are in agreement. We think that he has the highest ceiling, that if any of our guys have the chance to become something absolutely, truly superstar special, it's probably worrying. But we've already got two guys that have shown quite a bit. Uh, Jordan Aikens, I mean... His season last year was criminally underrated, criminally underrated. And, you know, if we work out and both of and Warren, let's say Warren does ascend to tight end one or uh, tight end 1.1A with Aikens on the other side, you know, then we're in really, really good shape and we'll all be happy for it. It's just manage your expectations. Yes, the passes today looked absolutely fantastic. It shows the type of potential he has. And let's just see him out there on the field. Yep, agreed. All right. Um, trying to think. That's all our tight ends. Cool. Uh, let's bring in Jordan for question and answers. What is up, guys? How you doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. As you probably know, I've been pretty busy. Feel bad for that, but should be cooling down a little bit. Hopefully. Cool. Cool. Well, um, question and answers. I know we have a lot of questions. Uh, I guess first before we do that. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time, but uh, a little bit about uh, training camp. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of talk about a particular number 54. And um, it's great to hear. Uh, What are your thoughts so far? It made my day. I think it was yesterday, was it? Yesterday. It was just all praise from everyone. Bill O'Brien was – Bill O'Brien doesn't praise guys like that, especially – like, non-stars, if that kind of makes sense. Like, he does not talk very highly of people like that. He had a lot to say about Jacob Martin, the GOATs. And the biggest thing that surprised me, because he talked about, oh, his athleticism, his skill, he can line up wherever. That's all great. We all know that. But the biggest thing for me is the question we all want answered is, is he going to play more? And he said it. He's going to play a lot more for us this season. And that's huge. That's very huge. He's put on that's a 247, which is typically where we like our three, four outside linebackers to be around 247, 255 plus, um, so they can play the run well. And so with those numbers, there's no reason why he can't start over Brennan Scarlett, as long as the run defense. Uh, so I'm excited about everything he said. It definitely, it definitely made my day, and I'm excited to see it on the man. Let's Very talk, excited. Let's talk a little bit about Kahali Waring and your thoughts. Yeah, so just listen to what you guys have been saying. You're right, like, Training camp highlights, they're cool. But, of course, like the Texan PR team, they're not going to show like the drops. They're not going to show his bad plays. Of course, they're going to show the plays where he looks like damn Randy Moss over our DBs, right? So, yes, it's great to see the flashes and to say, hey, he's got a good catch radius. He's got a good vertical. Cool, he could be something. But let's pump the brakes on the fact that he's going to be our breakout star, tight end one, screw Jordan Aiken, screw Darren Fells, like, we haven't seen a single NFL snap out of this dude. And just like how Bill O'Brien doesn't trust rookies, he's not going to trust Kahali Waring because he's basically a rookie. 
He redshirted his rookie year. He's now basically a rookie. So I just can't see him getting legitimate snaps. Um, but it's it's good to see for the future because Fels is getting up there. And Aikens, as much as we love him, he's even 28 too. So keeping him, and it's good, it's going to be him and either one of Thomas or Waring for the future. So it's good to have. It's a good problem to have talented guys in your tight end room. Yep, agreed. All right, let's get to some questions. If y'all are in the YouTube. Okay, questions from my Twitter. First one comes from at Fire Bill O'Brien. His new at his new like handle though is at Fire Mike D'Antoni. Oh, Rockets ain't looking too good. <laughs> oh, I would yo. You should have heard me earlier. It's okay. Though. <laughs> I wish I did. Oh. <laughs> no taking the high road. No, no, no. not <laughs> after all the smoke they were spending our way, dude. Exactly. Especially Cody. <laughs> Oh, oh, Cody. You might, I'm surprised he sat through all of it. Oh, my God. All right. From So he asks, how have the rookies looked in camp, and will any of them get the chance to start? James, how are you feeling about the rookies? Yes, yeah, so the Ross Blacklock, uh, chance to start. Uh, will it be immediate? I'm not sure. Um, I think we'll see a rotation of guys to see who kind of get a feel for things. Uh, he's going to be pushed into, you know, a starting role. You don't take a player of his uh, ability – uh, it was very good to hear kind of what he talked about specifically with the scheme today and how he likes it so much better because it gives him a little bit more freedom and ability to do push the pocket and, and uh, create a pass rush on the interior. Um, so I think I think Ross has a chance. Uh, I know John Reed has had a lot of praise, and he's the killer of camp, and I, I, I do believe that those are true statements. I do think John Reed probably is having the best camp out of all the rookies. Uh, I just think that it's going to be very hard for him to – earn a starting role over the three corners that we have, right? Like, I just don't know, especially if Roby does end up playing in the slot. So, um, Jonathan Grenard, you know, we're not hearing a lot about him. Uh, we're not hearing a lot about him at all. And we, we kind of knew that, though. We kind of knew that he's in, a, he's in a crowded room, and he's going to have to stand out on special teams and in training camp to be able to get the opportunity to do the things that he needs to do and so if I had to pick two, it would be Ross and, and John Reed. We know Isaiah, uh, while he does have the potential, it's likely going to be a very similar season to Kahale last year with Isaiah Coulter. For sure. John, anything to add? The Charlie Heck. I mean, yeah. Uh, James kind of hit on it. We've got great performances out of John Reed. We've apparently got great performances out of Isaiah Coulter. <laughs> And we have to blur, blur things out. Two rookies that we've definitely heard about. Uh, Grenard is apparently doing all right. Blacklock's apparently doing all right. So I mean, nothing really to add. We won't. What sucks about this training camp is we don't. I miss preseason because we don't get to actually see them. We don't get to see what they've actually learned. And I'm. Reed was my guy, so of course I, I'm going to throw that out there because I'm excited about it. But other than that, of course they're going to say positive things. It's Bill O'Brien, the one thing, though, I will say is he doesn't blow up smoke up players' asses. If they're doing well, he'll say it. If they're not doing well, he'll say it as well. So if he said good things in his comments and it's not coming from Weaver or something like that, you can at least believe it. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So that's good for the rookies. Moving on from at Daniel Blake Hill. He says, with Chiefs players seemingly dropping like flies, 
How are you all feeling headed towards week one? John, how are you feeling? I don't like it. I do not like it. I, if we go out and they have half their roster not playing for whatever reason or the other. Excuses. If they have two players not playing that should be playing, it's going to be an excuse. And they're going to try and take it away from us. So I'd rather see them full or full strength. I'd rather see them hungry. And y'all are really pushing my buttons tonight. <laughs> <laughs> As if it's not painful enough to be a Rockets fan, like seriously. Um, no, I want the team at full me. strength. Um, if it's a Super Bowl hangover or whatnot, if we get that win with them full strength, at least it gets, that's all we have to hear is a Super Bowl hangover. If they are missing one key player, they're not going to talk about the Texans. They're going to talk about if so-and-so was in this game, the Texans don't win, blah, 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 blah. So it sounds like a rocket yeah. narrative, right? Excuses, oh. excuses, excuses, things, you know, couldn't do it this year because of this, couldn't do it this year because of this, couldn't do it this year because we ran into Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul at the age of 38. Uh, so, you know, it's just kind of a Houston thing, it seems like. Anyways, sorry, go ahead. Last one for the night. Oh, all right. Um, again, from Daniel Blake Hill, great friend of the pod, always us. Great. Dude, and the he best says, the best engager Houston on Twitter will go all the way this. I couldn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. He just is great to engage right. with on Twitter. Um, he says, "Give me the reason." He... I like lagging behind. Yeah, you are. All right. Uh, give me the reasons Houston will go all the way this year. Now, give me the reasons why they won't even make the playoffs. So, kind of both sides of the spectrum, James. All the way this year. Um, you know, why they will, uh, you have Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Um, so Deshaun Watson playing quarterback is always going to be a plus. Um, and he's going to take another step in his development, which is always key. Uh, so, you know, if you're banking on anything, that's what you would bank on is Deshaun Watson. Um, why we won't. Um, injuries. I mean, that's really the only thing I can I can say. I don't know if there's any other reason. Uh, and Jordan, you are lagging like crazy. This housewife is, is not nice. Kind of things, but oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. We'll let you get to your I'm next bad. question in case I'll you drop. I'll get to you guys' next question. Um. Daniel Blake Hill again. Deshaun Watson goes down. Are you in guarantee? And he's gone. And we lost him. All right, let's. Um, are we still going to be so? A run are we going to be a run first offense or air assault since we signed the Archer? What do you think? I think it's going to be a good balance. Um, I don't. Ex- I mean, Jordan broke down an article and showed that you know we didn't run as often on first down as people thought. It just looked like we did. I think it was like uh, 58% of the time we threw. So uh, I think we're going to be a good combination. I wouldn't be surprised if it's very similar to what we um, what we saw last year. And, um, yeah, I think, I, I think it could be anything that we need it to be. I think we have the roster on offense and the skill set of, you know, our players to be able to either run or throw. I think that the difference with uh, offensive coordinator is I think Tim Kelly may actually embrace the new NFL maxim that you run the throw. I think that at the end of the season, the numbers are going to come out pretty balanced. We'll have a um, 
Um, we'll end up having a, a pretty good balance if you look at the numbers, but throughout the season we will actually be very we'll be very bullish on our passing game and we'll feel as though it is setting up our running game. The comments are great, Jordan. You, uh, you've given us an eventful night. We really appreciate it. I don't even know if you want to run through the rest of the questions, but you've given the comments section something to run with. And also, I think you're gone again. Um, there we go. Hopefully you all can hear this. Okay, I'm going to hit you guys with this last one from Zach Hicks, James' buddy. Um, who's or sorry? What is your biggest concern with the defense this year? What about you, James? It's all pass rush. Everything comes down to the pass rush with the defense this year, in my opinion. Um, outside of JJ, and, and, and a lot of it just has to do with the fact that I, you know I don't expect JJ to play 16 games. If JJ plays 16 games, I don't really have a concern for this pass rush because I do think that JJ frees up other players to be able to go make plays. Um, I I think the pass rush is really the biggest concern, and it all boils down to J.J. Watt. You just can't ask him to um, just be the only guy. And so we're going to need somebody else to step up, whether it's Jacob Martin, Whitney Merciless, Charles Aminihu, Ross Blacklock. There's guys that can do it, but will they do it? Yeah, that's a great point. I think I'm good right now. I don't think I'm lagging too much. No, you're not. Okay, perfect. All right, we're going to keep going then. Um, really good one. Where was it? Um, okay, this is a good one for the channel. Um, will we, Texans Unfiltered, ever consider doing a meetup outside of Texas? This dude, um, Nolan Webb, he lives in Kentucky. He'd love to meet up for a game. Guess yeah. that be a possibility? Yeah, absolutely. We were, we were planning oh. on doing that this year. Uh, we were going to do a road trip to a game uh, with all of the listeners. We were going to, I think there's six of us in Austin, and we were going to have some... Um, and we were going to have some, and uh, we, were, we were all going to meet oh, up and drive a, uh, we were going to rent an RV, and we were going to drive to a, a, a away game and uh, meet up with some of the other listeners and things of that nature. So COVID kind of put that in, you know, the, in, the, in the background for right now, but it's something that we'll still entertain as we see how COVID goes. If it won't be this season, it will be future seasons. But Nolan, if you want, I'd be more than happy to do a, a virtual hangouts and watch a game, uh, whatever we can do, because uh, we really appreciate the support, and you've been one of our biggest supporters for, for quite some time, so you tell me. And I will definitely come to Hawaii. I'll actually be there next June. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. All right. Run through a couple more while my Wi-Fi decides to hold up. Um, from Michael George, he says, how do you think the season is going to play out for the Texans, and what's your take on Bill O'Brien as a GM and a head coach? John? Um, season plays out. Uh, we're going to do better than the national media expects. We are going to win our division. Um, I can say that fairly confidently unless injuries happen. That's the only thing that's going to stop it. And then the jury's still out on Bill O'Brien. Um, we were I actually re-listened to the uh, – to the Clowny Trade uh, podcast. I don't know why I subjected myself to that. But when you listen to how we were last year regarding that trade to how we are this year regarding that trade, based on just how everything kind of played out, your opinion on it changes. So the jury is still out, um, and the proof is always in the wins at wins and losses at the end of the season. If the Texans completely fall apart, if they are the team that the national media expects them to be, then Bill O'Brien deserves all the smoke. He deserves it. 
now if he comes out there and the Texans are the team we expect them to be as guys that actually if the Texans are actually the team that we expect them to be as guys that actually follow the Texans understand whether the roster moves that have been made have been made whether or not we agree with them or not then I guess he's at least better than half the GMs out there yeah I, I'm with that as well um I think just to move on to the next one, from Lord David of House Stark, he says, do you see the Texans pursuing Earl Thomas at all? Did you guys talk about this already in the pod? No? Okay, perfect. I'll give my quick thoughts. Um, Earl Thomas, obviously always been a really great player, one of the best safeties in the league, premium position, single high safety, very valuable, especially in our defense, but... Even Ravens fans will tell you that he's not the same player that he used to be with the Legion of Boom. I haven't personally watched the film, but if Ravens fans are already telling you that, that's already a good sign. The fact that he hasn't been signed, even by Cowboys, would love to sign him, and he wants to be there too. That should tell you another thing. Um, also, this fight wasn't the only reason why he was cut. There were multiple other incidents. He would always be late for, for meetings or camp. There was one meeting he missed because he was washing his damn car. At least that was his excuse. Um, so we don't know how... We, basically, Earl Thomas is, is close to a culture cancer right now. And Bill O'Brien will have none of that. He didn't want to test the waters with AB. He's not going to test the waters with Earl Thomas. Because he trusts the culture that we built and the veterans that we've got. And that goes a long way. Um, because even what I forgot to mention is that the, the Ravens teammates wanted Earl gone. It wasn't the head coach. It wasn't the GM. It wasn't the owner. It was the teammates, the guys that he's playing beside. And if they can't trust him, how the hell, like, we can't trust him either. So it's great that he's a great player and all, but it's not worth the risk. Um, do you guys have anything else to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, when your own teammates are casting stones to get you off the team, in a game where your team is your everything and they're your brotherhood, they're your, you know, they're, they're your guys – that speaks a lot to what Earl brought to the Ravens. Now, the one piece that doesn't concern me, because I think Earl still can play, I just don't know you know, how he would be utilized with us. I don't know if he's that single high safety anymore. I don't know if he can play that role the way he did. He hasn't been the same since his injury in Seattle. Um, we'd like to think that he has that ability. Maybe it's a scheme thing. It all depends on you know everything else that's happening with, with the defense, but... One thing to keep an eye on, and we have been linked to him, which is what makes me think this a little bit, is that him and Deshaun share the same agent. There's a lot of times in this league where when things like this happen, uh, it'll be like a handshake thing. Hey, you know, I know we're negotiating a contract with Deshaun. You know, I got a guy here that needs needs to be on a roster. You know, things like that happen. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he's brought here, but I wouldn't be uh, on, on the bus of doing so. I don't – given the offseason that he had to um, – not about cheating on his wife because that's just what, you know, athletes do, but the way that whole situation happened with the gun and all that craziness, uh, I just don't know if that's the case. And, you know, I really hope that, like, my boys who manage his sneaker shop in Austin don't, like, kill me for it, but – I just don't think it's a good fit for Earl at this point of his career. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, next one from at, from Marquise Grissom. 
he says, any update on Clowney? We get this question every week, but are we adding anyone at this point? I think this is, and Bill Bryan even said it in a couple of press conferences ago, but this is basically the roster that we're going to go into the season with. Haven't heard anything. I don't know if you guys have heard anything, but I don't think there's anything on the Clowney side. Nope. Nope. All right, moving on quickly. Um, from Sam, he says, is there any chance for a Kiki QT comeback in your eyes? So that's pretty, pretty big today because we finally got the news. Like, it was kind of uh, mysterious the last couple of days. Like, oh, why isn't Kiki at camp? Like, is there a reason? Does he have an excuse? Wasn't he practicing? Whatever. Um, but now finally we got the news. And it's a minor, what was the stress the fracture again? Stress fracture. Yeah. Stress fracture, which is never good. Um, and in my opinion, I think they're using that to cover up that he's gone. Um, whether that be by trade for a sixth, seventh round pick, maybe that's the best you're going to get, or he's just going to be cut for sure, and that's it. Um, so I, I don't think, I think the QT train has come and gone. And the good thing is that DeAndre Carter got a lot of praise in camp today, so. I think we'll be okay. I think Kiki QT, he was always someone who was kind of just like, if we got anything from him, great, but we don't need to rely on him whatsoever, so I'm not too hurt about QT. Yeah, I agree. We talk about Kiki a lot. Okay, perfect. I believe that is it. Why did I just lose it? Um, really quickly, where did it go? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. That's it for me. Thank you for all the questions. Since he got ignored mm-hmm. last week, thoughts on bringing in Rodney right. Anderson at running back as a high potential guy. Um, I just think that they're set. It's not. I don't think it has anything to do with Anderson, but I also don't know a ton about him. I know people are high on him. Um, I love him, but I, I find it I find it crazy that he's also, if he is that good, why he's not on a roster. Uh, I think he was cut what uh, about ten ten days ago, and he's still not on a roster. The the thing with him, so he was a super talented back out of Oklahoma. I absolutely loved him. I thought he'd probably be like second, mid second round pick type of talent. Um, but he has probably some of the worst injury history that you will ever see. Like big time injuries too. It's not just like little stuff, big time. And so that's why he's fallen so far. That's why this last injury and people can't trust him. So um, as much as I, was, as I would love him, Buddy Howell seems to have the running back three spot on lock. And what Bill O'Brien said is that it's got to be special teams. And Rodney Anderson, he's a talented dude, but he's not a special team back. He's not Buddy Howell. And I think that's okay. If one of our, if one of the Johnsons get get hurt, he'll definitely be in for a workout. Um, but let's be honest, this kid's injury history is pretty legit. Um, he had a neck in, injury in college that caused him to miss an entire year, and of course he's had an ACL injury. And that was on top of a other another knee injury. It just says in college, his last game of his career, he injured one knee. The last game of the preseason, he tore his ACL on the other knee. So, kid's been through through some stuff. Um, he's got some talent, but with his injury history, he's a guy that will get brought in somebody midseason. Who knows if we'll, anybody will actually see him play though. All right. Any last questions in the chat? Oh, we got a bunch. Merck has an OnlyFans, I guess. Oh, I think we hit it at the same time. So that's interesting. No, he doesn't. It's 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 cameo, but I just thought it was funny that that was brought up. Uh, OnlyFans. Ah, go ahead and hit the other one. How much do you think it'll affect the team to be ready week one without joint practices, like any other year, considering known. Bill O'Brien issues with getting the team ready. 
Uh, I think that's a that's a legit question. You know, joint practices seem to be a thing. And uh, ever since Bill O'Brien's been here, I don't know. You know, I th- you know nobody can do it. Uh, so it's not like it's just the Texans who can't have joint practices. So if it's affecting this team, it's also going to affect the other teams. I don't know if it's going to be one of those things. I just think we're going to see sloppy football for you know three to four weeks uh, of the season. Um, the good news is with all of this going on, and something we didn't bring up, you know, the COVID testing and the the positive cases for NFL players since training camp has started has been super minimal. And I know Jordan and I were, were talking about it when this whole thing, and John too. It's going to be really hard for us to believe that the the season can actually happen. But if these continue to be the positive trends that we see and these players are taking it responsible and they're not, you know, Lou Williams and, you know, the guy from the Seahawks, um, then, you know, the team who is the most disciplined will likely be the one that goes all the way through. And um, it's pretty cool to see. I don't know. Any thoughts on this, you guys? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, every team's got to deal with it, so I don't really factor that in. It's kind of like the NBA with the bubble. Every team's getting rusty, stuff like that. They all, they're all they all on the same playing grounds. I, th- I guess from like a pure football standpoint, what you might see and how you might see it re- relate to on the field, it's usually tackling. That's usually like all NFL teams usually struggle to tackle in the beginning of the year because they, they don't have – you can't tackle in practice right now, right? And so I think we're going to see that to a bit of an extreme. Um, but because every team is dealing with it, it's not going to be too big of an issue, I hope. Um, yeah, I think – do you have anything, John, or should I – I like this next question. I love this next question. This one? Oh, no, but we can do that no, one too. I'm Go bad. ahead, George. Take that one. I'll take right. the next one. There's two things I want to talk about this one. Um, first one, I forget who reported it, but we saw the most two running back sets from the Texans today, and that's real interesting because Bill O'Brien, he, he's alluded to it. He's admitted it, that they're going to be running that more. Um, so I'm really excited for it. Obviously, we talked about this a lot, but two dual-threat running backs, it's going to be super fun. Super hard to match up with them, and I'm excited to see what we got. We can't really speak too much on it right now. Obviously, they're also not going to um, release a lot of details on it, but having two threats like that, it's going to be big time to attack linebackers. I agree. All right, and then the other one, sorry, real quick. Okay. The only one about defense for the personnel and formations. I think it was in Blacklock's one, Blacklock's press conference today. He talked about how the systems from TCU and the Texans are very different. TCU, and it's the same thing that we've seen on film and scouts have seen on films at TCU, they asked him to two-gap a lot, to kind of just hold blocks, not really make plays, just let his linebackers flow free and make them have them make plays. Um, and a lot of the things that he said was that he was slanting a lot. So even in pass rushing, he wasn't allowed to just penetrate and go down the field, up, rush up field. So, but now he has that opportunity, and that's how Weaver wants to play. Like he's been saying, he wants this aggressive style of football, and that's where Blackhawk is at his best. Yeah, he can hold double teams and let McKinney and Zach Cunningham make tackles, but he can also just split a damn double team with his pure athleticism and strength and make the tackle for loss himself. And so that's where you're going to see the real high-impact stats that everyone loves. Um, so excited that we an alternate system towards him. And we saw early in the year that Anthony Weaver, one of his main talking points was, we're going to play our players to their positions of strength. And this is exactly how you can see that happening. So I'm really excited. Yep, I would agree. I think that was probably the biggest takeaway of the day for me. Uh, all right. Uh, it seems like O'Brien is warming up to the idea of using Lonnie as a hybrid DB. Thoughts on that? Uh, you know, he, he, he lined up a safety some last year. Uh, he, he covered tight ends extremely well before he got hurt. Um, I, I, I like this idea of him being more of a specialized 
uh, you know, defensive back. He could play in, you know, he could play safety. He could play in the box. He can cover. Um, his, you know, his coverage abilities. He, he looks so much, so much more fluid than what he looked like last year. He looks like he's getting a lot lower. Um, but I, I think that this will be something that we see a lot more of when it comes to Lonnie. And we saw it last year, not necessarily with Lonnie, but we saw, you know, with I think when we played the Patriots, Roby was covering the running backs out of the backfield, you know, James White, things of that nature. I think we'll see a lot more of that stuff with Lonnie this year, um, given what he worked on this offseason. And then I think his physicality will be the reason why you see him line up on tight ends. So, And I don't really think that we really have a safety. I feel comfortable. Even as good as Justin Reed is, I don't have a, there's not a safety on the roster I feel comfortable covering tight ends. Week one against Kelsey, the only person I feel comfortable with, and that's even after the, the bust in the playoffs, is Lonnie Johnson because of his size and his physicality. I don't know if there's somebody else on the roster that's able to cover tight ends uh, in the way that Lonnie can. So I, I agree. This is the route they're going. There's a reason why he's having, he's taking snaps at um, safety. He's taking snaps at outside corner. And, you know, he even came out today and basically said, you know, I'm a DB. I'm not necessarily a corner. I'm not necessarily a safety. I'm going to play wherever I need to play. The more you can do, the better. And uh, I, I expect to see that week one and throughout the season. Yeah, we already touched on it a little bit. I think it's the same the same route that they went with A.J. Boye. Um, he's going to be the tight end killer. That's why he was practicing with the safeties, so he can cover tight ends. And you couldn't ask for somebody to have a better physical makeup than Lonnie Johnson to cover tight ends. Like, if you were going to design a corner or a safety t- to be able to cover somebody like Travis Kelsey... Lonnie Johnson's who you would design. So, all for it. Yeah, and you guys covered a lot of the positive things, so I just want to play devil's advocate and just see both sides. I think the only really negatives of this happening is, one, safety's got to tackle. Lonnie Johnson, I do not feel comfortable with him tackling. And so if we want him to cover Kelsey, these tight ends, whatever, then teams could start running the ball on us and attack him. Tell you one thing, but he is a very physical dude. He takes pride in his tackling. He just got to clean that that up, and and DBs always do over their career at least a little bit. Um, and then the second thing that I'm more kind of personally worried about is if Lonnie's playing the safety stopper and he's not on the outside corner like I want, that means Roby's likely on the starting outside corner with Conley, and then you've got Hargraves, John Reed, Keon Cross, and I don't know, someone else starting in the slot, and I don't feel comfortable about all those other slot cornerbacks, even with all the praise that John Reed has gotten. Um, so that's just something to look out for, um, and we'll get those answers week one. Well, I also think, Jordan, another thing to think about is, you know, Eric Murray is also taking a lot of snaps in the nickel as well. So, you know, it all depends on the scheme and the formation, right? If Lonnie's playing in that safety to cover tight ends and Eric Murray's lined up in the slot, you still have Roby and Conley on the outside. Uh, so there's other options that you have with this defense, given the depth at quarterback. My biggest issue is the fact that if you're not having him play a position, he's never going to be great at a position. So if you're lining him up in safety and you're expecting him to be your tight end stopper, well, tight end stoppers don't get paid a lot in this league. And tight end stoppers are, are not they're not going to be as valued as a top-tier corner. And Lonnie has the, the, the tools and the physical traits to be a top-tier corner. So if he's playing outside a lot, but we're going up against Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, you know, George Kittle, and he's playing – Against those tight ends, I'm fine. But it can't be one of those things that we see a lot of. It's got to be a game plan specific thing, and I'll be totally fine with it. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm I'm trying to look up our schedule right now, but just kind of off the top of my head. So we're definitely going to have to do it for Kelsey. 
Then week two against the Ravens. I would like us to do it against Mark Andrews. Yep. Week three is the Steelers. And Eric Ebron. E- Ebron. Yeah, we ha- we always seem to have trouble with Ebron for whatever the reason. Um, so there are definitely some tight ends. That, and then I'm yeah, trying to think of in our division. That's like, why. That's why. That's yeah. why Lonnie Johnson was out there with the safeties. Jack Doyle. I don't think they're the going to ask him to play like a true safety role. It's just usually in their formation, it's one of the safeties that are covering the inside tight end, and that's going to be Johnson. All right, next one. Kobe Khan says it, it seems like oh, oh, this is the same one. I don't know why I thought this was different. I think that's it. I think that's everything. Sweet, perfect. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for checking out the stream. Make sure you guys click like and subscribe for that. Make sure you follow all of us here at Houston uh, at Texans Unfiltered. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Houston FB Pod. Uh, you can follow me at uh, I am Young Ari Gold and John at John A Wade three on Twitter. Don't forget to follow Texans underscore Thoughts, our partner and also lead writer for the website and YouTube creator. Don't forget to follow Patrick Storm to you. Uh, and then also don't forget to follow our newest writer, Jair, at JRL Sports TX. Also want to make sure that we, we do a big shout-out to our newest intern, Paul, who is killing it with the content, putting together a ton of stuff uh, to make sure that you guys can have a sneak peek into what we're doing and, and also just taking over Instagram and doing very creative things. Paul, you're killing it. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. That's awesome. Uh, and don't forget to go to Eventbrite, get your RSVP for the Kobo's Q opening game event for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Johnsons in the backfield shirts are flying off the shelf, so make sure you guys get those. I had two today that were out of stock because they didn't have enough shirts, so make sure you guys uh, go do that soon. Um, I've already switched it over, so there should be more. And with that being said, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off for Texas Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week.